Let's pick up where we left off. We're getting close to the end of Romans. Romans being a letter that Paul wrote to the church at Rome. Church being those who believed in Rome during the Roman Empire. But you got to kind of, when you get to chapter 14, you've got to kind of like look back to what Paul has said in the last couple of chapters, chapters 12 and 13. In chapter 12, he was talking about living in harmony together, that we all have different gifts and that we should share those gifts. And he said, don't be proud. And he's saying, do this and don't do that. Some people label this as like Christian ethics. I wouldn't call it ethics. I'd just probably say this is how the Spirit lives out through us as a community. And then in chapter 13, he started off last week talking about submitting to the government and that God put the government in authority, not necessarily those people, but the whole system, the process, and submission was a big part of that, that we submit to that. And ultimately, we submit to Him. We submit to Him. Uh, And then He ended up, the last part of chapter 13, talking about loving your neighbor as yourself. Uh that if you want to get through this whole world, this journey, love is the key element there. So Paul is now telling the church how to live out their life in Christ in a dark world. Kind of what Matt was saying up here about knowing your identity in Christ. Uh, I'll get into what he was talking about here in just a second. But he said, he was basically saying to the, the church, this is the moment. You have a moment, and there's going to be opportunities all around us to be light in a dark world. Don't get so caught up in the details and the little things that you miss what our opportunities are out there as a whole. Stay, he's like, stay focused, stay focused. And then he's like, I want you to be able to judge and have wisdom soberly, but don't think so high of yourself that you lose perspective. You've been given wisdom. You've been given ability to understand things, to interpret things, to encourage people but that doesn't put you above everybody else. Because if you do, they're going to have a hard time listening to you. And then the third thing, he's really just saying, just just love one another. Come on, just just love one another. I literally uh, flew to Tampa, and thank goodness for Bo's sound speaker or headphones that you can put on because there were crying kids everywhere in the plane. But then I had one that was kicking the back of my chair the whole time, you know, and the parents never said anything. And I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm like listening to, I forget what I was listening to, but I, I just sit there and thought about the chosen. If Jesus was sitting here and this little kid was kicking the chair, what would he do? And he'd probably turn around and just like love on the kid. So I sat there and took it for two and a half hours. <laughs> just, he's just saying, just love one another. Just, it's, it's not about you. It's just, just love one another. But specifically to the Roman Christians, uh, the situation was is their church 
met in homes. If it was a wealthy Roman Christian, they may be able to cram 30 to 40 people in their home. Back when we started in 2007, we were cramming 85 people in Charlie and Vicky's house. And that was what they did back then. So you're looking, the Roman Christian church probably had 20 to 30 people in it at a time. So you had multiple locations, just like we do here in our community now. And if you have multiple locations, like we talked about before, there's a different aroma in each place. They all have different opinions. They all have different interpretations of the scripture. They all have different things that they believe and they, they sell. It's just like what Matt was talking up here about knowing your identity and some still teach law and, and all this. So this is going on in Rome. There's all these multiple locations and Paul's trying to say, hey, let's stay focused. Let's stay focused. There's one main thing right here. If division is is present, how do we accomplish the main thing? If we're all focused on the little bitty things and doing things differently, how do we stay focused? So let's get into chapter 14. Verse 1, it says, Welcome anyone who is weak in faith, but don't argue about disputed matters. <laughs> now, you have to ask the question. Obviously, he says... There's weak in faith. So if there's people that are weak in faith, then there's obviously people who are strong in faith, right? You have the, the opposite. If there's good, then there's evil. If there's evil, then there's good. Same way, if there's weak, then there's strong. Is Paul talking about new believers and veteran believers, whatever you want to call them? Long, long, what was a long-term believer at that point? It was only 20 years since Jesus had died on the cross. So the believers had been hearing this gospel within the last 20 years. So what's the difference between weak and strong? Or is Paul talking about those who are free, walking in the spirit, or those who are bound up, walking by their flesh and doing the legalist thing, which is what, again, Matt's conversation was this week? Or is he talking about the difference in what their faith would actually allow them to do. That's the question as you read that first verse. And then I think he explains it as we get into the next verses. One person believes he may eat anything. He's really talking about meat there. One person believes he may eat anything, while one who is weak eats only vegetables. One who eats must not look down on one who does not eat. And one who does not eat must not judge, judge the one who does, because God has accepted him. Who are you to judge another's household servant? Before his own Lord he stands or falls, and he will stand because the Lord is able to make him stand. Uh, so literally what's happening right here in these different churches in Rome, these different houses, is some believe, hey, we're only supposed to eat vegetables. Some believe, hey, we're free to, to eat meat. We can do that because it's all changed. That There's those that are still following the Torah, the first five chapters of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They have that memorized, and they're probably not eating meat. They're just eating vegetables. But he says we're judging based upon what you're comfortable with eating, 
Then verse 5, it says, One person judges one day to be more important than another day. Someone else judges every day to be the same. Let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. Whoever observes the day observes it for the honor of the Lord. Whoever eats, eats for the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. And whoever does not eat, it is for the Lord that he does not eat it. And he gives thanks to God. We have two different mindsets, yet we're all of the same faith. We all believe in Jesus, but you've got this different interpretation of the law and of the scripture. And he's like, does it really matter? Are these things that we can talk about just indifferent? Now we're judging people because they celebrate specific holidays? Or do you see every day as the same? How many times have you heard me saying here, it's Easter every day. Like Jesus rose from the dead and now I have a new life in Christ and I can celebrate that. I don't have to wait for Easter. Yeah, I still celebrate Easter, but it's Christmas every day. Jesus is born and he came here and walked on the earth and he... Does it really matter? That's what he's asking right here. And then you have to ask the question, are we talking about a strong Gentile Christian faith versus a Jewish weak Christian faith? Uh, I don't think that's what Paul's referring to because what is he? He's a Jew and he considers himself strong in chapter 15 as we go further. So it can't be that. Are we talking about Jewish holidays versus Roman pagan God holidays? What days is he specifically talking about? Are we talking about abstaining from meat and wine because they believe it was contaminated from pagan idolatry? He doesn't say. He doesn't say, but obviously there's issues going on in each one of these homes. And you go back to the Old Testament, you can go back to Daniel chapter 1. When Daniel was taken into captivity, he and his brothers, and they chose not to eat from the king's table. They didn't eat the fatty foods and the meat. They just ate vegetables. So people go back and go, okay, we're going to do what Daniel did. There's people that are doing that today. There's a diet out there called the Daniel diet. You just eat what is naturally grown and you don't eat meat. So Paul's literally going, okay, so you've interpreted it, you've decided, you've made your opinions and all this, but the main thing is the main thing, and that's Jesus. If they choose to follow holidays found in the Torah, so be it. If they choose their freedom in Christ, so be it. Verse 7, he says, For none of us lives for himself, and no one dies for himself. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and returned to life for this, that he might be Lord over both the dead and the living. 
right there. That's the non-negotiable. Jesus Christ came, the Son of God came, he died, crucified, his blood was poured out, he forgave us of all our sins, past, present, and future. He was buried, he rose again, he sits in the Father, and he sends the Spirit. That's non-negotiable. That's non-negotiable. It is our one common thing that we hopefully have in all the churches in this community right here. I can hang out with those brothers and sisters in Christ because we have the one common bond of Jesus. Now, we do different things. We behave differently. We have different opinions. We have different interpretations. I like mine. Naturally, why wouldn't it? Because it's mine. And so do I consider theirs wrong? I think if I put myself above them, I probably would. I probably would. But I'm a little sensitive to that. Because at one point, I had different opinions and thoughts. The way I read the Bible was totally different than how I read it now. And so because of that, I'm sensitive to where other people are in their journey. We're all on a journey. It's like I was thinking about Rob just running. It's like, man, this this journey that he's running on, like he's at 90 some odd miles and he's got a few more to go. Well, I've got a few more to go too. And I hope that I'm learning as I go. I really do. I I think that, you know, what I taught maybe in 2007 when I started here may have changed a little. Probably, most likely. Definitely changed from when I was teaching teenagers back in the 90s and early 2000s. But I'm okay with that because it's part of my journey. Now, I'm like Matt as well. If I hear somebody that's bound up in legalism, if I hear somebody that doesn't understand their identity in Christ, it not only hurts, makes me a little nauseated because I've been there and I'm not going back. But what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to judge them and see them as low? No, I'm going to continue my life and I'm going to continue to teach truth. And if the Spirit leads them to hear that, to hang out and hear, that, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. But it's not my responsibility to get them to change their opinions and ideas and everything else about this. And this is literally what Paul's saying here. It's like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Verse 10, he says, But you, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or you, why do you despise your brother or sister? For we all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me and every tongue will give praise to God. That's in Isaiah chapter 45, verse 23, he quotes. Then verse 12, he says, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us no longer judge one another. I I don't think it's so much as like judging one another based upon what we're eating and the different things. I I still look, I watch you guys. And is it a form of judgment if I come to you and 
remind you about who you are and your identity in Christ as compared to the things that you're doing. I heard what Dale said about the way that God sees him, that God sees him as perfect. Dale, I see you as perfect because you have been made perfect. You are perfect. That is your identity. It's not just the way God sees us, which he does. He sees me as perfect, but literally he's made me perfect. My soul and my spirit is perfect. My behavior, not so perfect. It's getting there. As I get older, it starts to line up with more with my identity, my identity being that I'm perfect, but my behavior's getting there, especially as I stay focused. So, in trying to unify these two groups right here, it's also interesting to see that Paul spends a lot more time talking to the strong than he does the weak in faith. Like, I would consider you strong, and that's why I would spend time talking to you and investing in you. He says, instead, decide never to put a stumbling block or pitfall in the way of your brother or sister. Paul's literally saying right here, if what you're doing, if by using your liberty and flaunting your liberty to do these things you think you can do, if those activities are spiritually hurting brothers and sisters in in Christ, just stop doing them. Just stop. You have the liberty, but you also have the choice whether to exercise that liberty or not. Yeah, people come in here and they hear we're free in Christ. I think it was obviously 2007 when we as a group of elders and friends sat down and said, do we teach this truth? Do we teach freedom in Christ? Because if we do, they're just going to run amok and do whatever they want. Well, yeah, you have that ability to go and do whatever you want. But if you understand your identity, you're not going to want to do that. That's the risk that we're going to take as we teach the scripture. Yeah, it's the risk that we took. And you know what? Some people ran amok with it. How'd that work out for them? Not so well. And then eventually things come back to center. They come back to center and you learn to live out of your identity. You literally learn that you have a new heart and you begin to learn how to live out of that new heart. That's the journey that I'm on is trying to figure out how to live out of this new heart. I have a new heart. What does that mean every day? Oh, okay, I'll let the kid kick me in the back. Every day. You have the liberty, but you also have the choice. Literally, Paul's fundamental concern right here is that the exercise of our liberty be done with a heart of love to others through Christ. That's it. Verse 14 he says, I know I am I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. Still, to someone who considers a thing to be unclean, to that one it is unclean. For if your brother or sister is hurt by what you eat, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy by what you eat someone for whom Christ died. That statement right there froze me in my tracks. 
like that statement brought value to all believers. Let me say it again. Someone for who Christ died. Just that last statement. You are someone for whom Christ died. You have great value. And so as I live among you, I have to think about what my liberty allows me to do. I hang around almost all of you a lot. And in front of some of you, I can do some things. In front of some of you, I can't do some things. I have to think about you rather than myself and how I react upon you. Now, I'm not restricting my freedom in Christ. I'm literally walking by the Spirit and living by the Spirit. What am I to do when I'm around this person, this person? That sounds like you're hypocritical. No. I think that the Spirit is leading me to be sensitive to the issues that you're dealing with in this room right here. So, I have to think about it. Rather than just saying, I'm free to do whatever I want, who cares about everybody else? Who cares? That's their problem. Spirit needs to deal with them. I think the Spirit leads me and prompts me. Verse 16, it says, Therefore, Do not let your good be slandered, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. We get so caught up in the the doing and comparing our faith based upon what we do rather than who we are in Christ. That was literally what I grew up in, was a religious system that you judge people based upon what you saw them do mostly on Sunday morning, Sunday nights, and Wednesday nights. But then you ignored what they did the rest of the week. One's traditions and opinions and expectations cannot be forced on another believer. it's, It's not even me up here teaching this morning and the words coming from my mouth that is impacting you. It is the Holy Spirit who teaches, directs, and causes us to rest in our freedom. To understand our righteousness. And that we already have peace and joy. We, you have it. It's not fruits, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there's no law. So listen to me. There's a Holy Spirit living inside of you because you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And that, that Holy Spirit is producing fruit, not you. If you, if you are producing the fruit, you're doing it in your own strength, and in just a minute you're going to find out that's sin. But if the Holy Spirit is doing it in you, watch this, if the Holy Spirit is doing it in you, 
You're free. It's his responsibility to do it in you. He's producing the fruit in you. So automatically, if the Spirit's in you, then love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, stuff, it's there. It's there. It's right here. And you just have to like learn to live in it. That's the identity, the freedom in Christ that he's talking about here. It's not about what you're doing. It's about who you are and what he is doing through you. Verse 18, it says, whoever serves Christ in this way is acceptable to God and receives human approval. (laughs) Again, that's love. If you're just loving to people, who's going to disapprove of that? So then let us pursue what promotes peace and what builds up one another. Do not tear down God's work because of food. Everything is clean, but it is wrong to make someone fall by what he eats. Their concern, rather, should be the values of God's kingdom and the spiritual health and development of their fellow brothers and sisters. So Paul literally right now is encouraging strong, the strong in faith not to do anything that might bring harm to those that are weak in faith. Just think about what you're doing. Verse 21, it says, It is a good thing not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that makes your brother or sister stumble. All right. You, you can do it, but if it's gonna, if it's gonna affect them in their walk, you probably need to reconsider. Whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Huh. Well, let me repeat that. Whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Imagine if our society did that. Goodbye, Facebook. If you just kept your opinions to yourself, if you just, whatever you think about the things that are going on, you just shut up and keep the main thing the main thing. Hmm. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever doubts stands condemned if he eats because... His eating is not from faith, and everything that is not from faith is sin. Paul is literally concerned right here that the weak in faith might start doing things that in their own conscience they continue to think is wrong. Paul doesn't want that to happen. Paul doesn't want our activity to run ahead of our conscience. We must first be convinced that something is right before we do it. And he closes with that statement. Everything that is not from faith is sin. I I ask you, what does that mean? Literally, I'm asking you, what does that mean? Everything that is not from faith is sin. What? Yes, Matt. Yeah. It means that we sin a lot. All right. Luke? Anything outside of 
faith is sin. You've, you've literally grown up maybe memorizing the Ten Commandments. Maybe you didn't. But you, in some form or another, you were given law. You can't do this, can't do that, can't do this, can't do that. And we all know how that worked out, not only for Adam and Eve, but for also for the Israelites, the Jews, and so forth, even the Pharisees. We all know how that worked out, right? It, they, they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. You couldn't do it. So therefore, you called yourself a sinner, and you asked Jesus to come and forgive you of your sins. And when he did that, he took away all your sins, all that you've done, doing, and going to do, and he made you a saint. No longer a sinner by nature, but you're a saint. That's what he calls you, is that you're holy, righteous, and redeemed. So now what Paul's saying is anything outside of faith is sin. So I am not judged based upon the Ten Commandments or the law or what I do anymore. Not. Anything outside of faith, I say this in here all the time, you have two choices in everything that you do. Two choices in everything that you do. You either walk by the Spirit who resides in you, or you walk by the flesh, which is this entity that still we have to still deal with. That's not, the, that's not the perfection of the soul and spirit, but it's this flesh that dwells in us. It's not your, it's not your physical body. It's just this entity. So again, it comes down to the two choices. If you submit to the spirit or you be selfish. Walk by the Spirit, walk by the flesh. Submit to the Spirit, do what the Spirit leads you to do, or you do it in your own strength. Or you learn to rest and let the Spirit do it through you, or literally you just do it through your own strength. So no longer do I have a list of sins that I have to maneuver through. Don't do this, don't do that, don't do that, do this. Now I have just two things. I'm either going to walk by my spirit, my new heart, or I'm going to be selfish and turn around that and tell that kid to stop kicking my chair. That's it. I got two choices. My look, I even if I do Good thing if I show up every Sunday just so you guys can see that I'm here every Sunday and I'm committed to this and da 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 and I'm doing it in my own strength, that's sin. Even though it's a good thing, even though I'm t- it, but if I literally come here because the Spirit tells me to come here and I trust the Spirit to that's walking by the Spirit. That's what we continue to teach in here, and what Paul is literally saying is you guys, Jesus is the most important thing. Listen to him, let him lead you, walk by him, follow him. Well, to do that, you have to know him. You have to know him. That's why Matt was saying, teach the kids, teach the kids, teach the kids about Jesus. 
teach the kid about Jesus who died. Now there's the spirit living inside of you. And at some point you move your kids to just trusting that the spirit inside of them is going to do a miraculous adventure in their life. You trust the spirit in your own kids. Sometimes you have to figure out how to trust it in your own life first. So father, uh, Thanks for your word this morning. Thanks for Paul and just he sits there and writes to these churches in Rome, but we we apply it here today. We can look at it and understand it and trust it. And so today I, I pray that you taught you taught your people how to be more in the spirit, to understand you and to walk by you and to trust you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.